0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week in pre-IPO stocks podcast with me. I got Nick Fusco, CEO of 8View, a pre-IPO secondary market pricing company, and Clint Sorensen, chief investment officer at WellShield, an outsourced CIO, and investment research company. Okay, three topics today. First one's ByteDance. All right, fellas, check this out. I think this might be a first for pre-IPO stocks. ByteDance is buying back $5 $5 billion at a $268 billion valuation. They just announced it, right? I think it's the first ever stock like this that's done this venture back stock, right? So Pitchbook, PitchBook had them at a $220 billion valuation in March of 2023. They said that was a secondary market transaction. So this would put them up... Um, uh, well, I'm sorry. And their applied valuation is $196 billion. So it's down from there and the secondary from the AFU data, right? So this $268 billion number would be a 37% increase, right? Uh, just a few stats on them. So $29 billion in Q2 revenue, okay? $85 billion annually. And as you recall, like that's kind of getting close to these meta meta type numbers. So what are your thoughts? So Clint, maybe I'll ask you to start first because I'm sure Nick could talk about this like all afternoon. So Clint, like what are your thoughts on a buyback for a venture-backed like growth company, I mean it's a big company, but what do you th- what do you think about buybacks in the kind of the private markets?
1: I mean, I love it. I think it's uh, it's a component of shareholder yield, right? And at the end of the day, when you look at this type of this company, we've talked about it on this on this podcast before. i thought the company was cheap, uh, especially. I, I mean, you could pretty much say that for all China-related venture-backed companies, right? At the end of the day, but I always yeah, thought Xi'an, this company yeah, was cheap. Right. Yeah, based on its growth rate, to see it buying back stock here, which I've never heard of uh, a buyback in venture cap private. But I think ultimately it's a large company. It's buying back its own stocks, rewarding shareholders. Uh, Another reason I think to uh, to be a bull on ByteDance, and uh, it's it's demonstrating it's got uh, you know it's supportive of shareholders, which is you know a big part of governance if you're going to be buying a company.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so Nick, what do you think? Like
2: Clint, Clint likes it. What do you, what's your thoughts? Can't disagree. Yeah, I think you're you're simultaneously acting like a public company. So whether we want to call this pre-IPO anymore, the private stock market that we were kind of spitballing about in the last month, uh, you're you're also cleaning up the cap table a little bit. And from what we see in the secondary is really really interesting here. So we were seeing the the share price down and around about one twenty five. Okay, but it had significant buy pressure, so a lot more bids in the market than offers, uh, especially relative to its past and relative to peers. So okay, like okay. That. And then we saw so that's our one twenty five at eight few. We saw a buyback at one sixty, so we're we're sub that so maybe supporting some of the bid heavy uh, approach. And then we're way below fund filings. Yeah. So it's wild. There's a gap between 125 secondary, 160 buyback, 200 is the average fund filing. Really? Uh, and, and big, big companies like T. Rowe Price, Bright, Bright House Financial. Wow. And betu- but between those, just to get super nerdy and then I'll throw it back, Yeah. we've got T. Rowe pricing at about 250. So okay. way above the buyback. And then we've got Bright House pricing very much in line with it. So re- really interesting stuff from the lowest area of secondary to the highest fund. We we've got a one hundred percent differential. Wow! So I don't think anyone has a great concept of where this is pricing. But when you're doing a, a five billion dollar buyback, it kind of shows that the company's very confident with that valuation. Yes. So I love it. Yeah. I, I I think yes. this is great move. Really showing it's uh, putting its best foot forward to the markets in general, whether it stays private or goes public. I mean I, I mean this is. All, all signs point to um, kind of ByteDance looking stronger on the back of it. So, right. very different reasons than what Clint said, maybe, but but I would say that it's all positive.
0: So it's interesting because I read, I can't recall if it was this article or another article, right, Nick, that ByteDance was buying was buying back the stock because the existing shareholders wanted liquidity, right? So, not going public, so you got to fix this. Like, let us do a right. secondary. And I guess they're saying, well, we'll buy it back because it's cheaper than, or maybe they're trying to support their valuation at a higher level. I, I would think if you're buying it back, you feel like it's too it's you too inexpensive to buy it. Yeah, right. right, 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 right. I mean, what do you think? Did you hear any buzz on that stuff? Or have you read anything about the motivation for the buyback?
2: No, I, as of late, yeah, it kind of just does something a little bit different than what you do in the secondary, right? So you're not bringing in a, a big investor to take the place. And offloading it onto them, uh, yeah, I, w- I would say your your management would feel that this is a great valuation for the company to take it internal rather than to just parlay it off and get liquidity for the shareholders. I mean, at the end of the day, you're doing the same thing, right? But if they thought that was expensive, they would they would try to get a VC to take that, right? Right. Right. So so I, so again, I think that shows. There's a strong outlook for the company, or stronger outlook, because they're, they're not trying to pass the buck here at all. Yeah,
0: right, right. But Clint, if you're the CEO of ByteDance and you're doing a buyback, like you're not raising capital anymore, like from the, I would think you're 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 signaling to people you're doing a buyback. Like, that's it. You're cash flowing good enough to fund all the things that you want to do and growth and everything, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, think about the think about the decision, right? You're saying, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna part with this cash that can be reinvested. At an X rate of return, and R and D, or other acquisitions, or you know market share capture, and instead I'm going to invest it in my own company because I think it's that cheap. That is essentially right, right. what they're telling the marketplace, and I think it's a, a great show of confidence. Um, uh, I mean, you know, it's sad they can't find anything else to do with the money, but hey, if the stock's cheap and they're that confident in their outlook, they're going to get a better rate of return for investment in their company. Have have at it.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's so interesting these businesses. I tell you, it it's because Clint, you're right. Like these Chinese China focused tech companies just don't get the same kind of valuation multiples as other global companies do. And
1: I the only reason I can think is because they're Chinese companies. That's it. The cycle, right? Yes, the cycle. Look at look at China relative yeah. to the U.S. Look at the value of Chinese equities on the public markets. You're seeing—I don't know if it's right. the exact same thing—but you're seeing something very similar play out in the, in the private markets. I mean, these companies are massive, huge user bases, very attractive. If they're in the U.S., they'd be going for 10x the multiple they're going for, right? Um, right. With the yeah. metrics that they're putting out, and so you can make the you can make the argument. I don't think it's a case, but you can make the argument that oh, the market doesn't believe the numbers. I look at it very simply and I say, where is the trend? And the trend is clearly down in Chinese equities and sentiment for Chinese equities. And so I think anything with China attached to it is riding the trend in the wrong direction. And so I think uh, for, yeah. for value players out there, it may at some point provide a nice, unique opportunity. That's why I'm kind of bullish from a long-term perspective on these venture-backed uh, pre-IPO or whatever, but private market opportunities within China.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. You're, you're almost doing a macro play here to a certain extent because y- you hit on a nice chart. You have so many more users on the Chinese platforms than we, we ever could domestically, right? Mm. But also the value of those users is substantially lower than the value stateside, right? Right. Because e- even, even if you're playing with uh, Google's YouTube, right? The number, the number of cents you're going to get off of or fractions of a cent you'll get off of a, a viewing outside the U.S. is so much lower because you know what is the the value of the product that you're going to end up selling you're not going to get as much return on right. so it's all that macro play is very much is there going to be better better spending out of china on a dollar for dollar basis or ppp basis right yeah so i i think it almost doesn't matter if you're if you're buying into um more of those public names that are undervalued or the private names that could be undervalued yeah, uh, it's it, it's definitely just betting on the country as a whole to a certain extent too. Yeah,
0: so it is, I mean, so I've done some stuff in China, right? Uh, w- oh, with green yeah, more, but, more but,
2: than the two of us combined. R- but I, I will say, yeah.
0: say that it, like, we're about to hit a presidential election, so it's going to get real bad. Uh China bashing will hit peak, peak China bashing here over the next twelve months, right? As we head into the presidential election. And then after that, it usually like calms down for like
1: a, a year or two, well, right? Before you to hit that the midterms. Point, did again, you see the right? headlines today, Aaron? To that point, did you see the headlines Go ahead, today? No, no. The headlines Tell me. today were about, you know, chi- China hacking into our critical infrastructure. You know, they've uh, supposedly yeah. there's Chinese, uh, a Chinese cyber army is what they're calling it. Is hacking into our critical infrastructure—that's been all over the news today. So uh, yeah, I think you nailed that yeah, one. So like, uh, it's, yeah. it's starting.
0: This is going to be yeah, it'll be peak China bashing for the
1: next twelve months, and then
0: and then right after that, like you know, new president will come in or whatever. You know, however this shakes out, Pre- president will be in. Elections over. And then all of a sudden it will be like everyone's buddies again. They're all meeting, you know, at places, everything, <laughs> uh, everything will be nice for about two years. And then the midterms will hit and it would be peak that's, China bashing again. That's the for another another right. couple cycles. So it's, uh, it's a classic,
1: classic narrative.
0: Listen, it's, it's easy to understand for a lot of people. You got to have an enemy, I suppose. Right. And that's maybe an easy yeah. target, but the, uh, Okay. So, all right. So SpaceX, let's talk SpaceX real quick. So I announced this past week, they're doing a tender offer. This is their standard, like every six month tender offer, $175 billion. Okay. Which is up from 150 billion uh, this past summer, right? So it was $81 a share uh, in the summer. And now it's $95 a share. And it looks like it's going to firm up around there. Right. Um, so that's a 17% increase from uh, July the mid in the summer when the last round was. And then from the beginning of the year, it's up 28%, right? So um we talk a lot about SpaceX. So I don't know how much you guys want to get into that, but any, any thoughts about SpaceX, the valuation, Starlink's coming down the pipe, adding a ton of revenue, right? And that business, you know, what is 175 a good number? You guys bullish on where this company's going? What are your thoughts on uh, on uh, SpaceX? Maybe Nick, do well, let me start with you, man. What do you think about SpaceX?
2: The the more I look at the frequency of of them doing these these uh, these offers or the buybacks, it's really interesting. Like the the price they're setting is almost me- methodical. It steps up consistently, 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 and it's almost not even market driven. It's kind of like it's driven by yeah uh, them internally at SpaceX. Right. So if we can see these coming, and there's always enough demand to satiate it, I I can look at it as is it the tail wagging the dog, or I can look at it as it might be worth way more? Yeah, <laughs> interestingly, right. Fair. And they're throttling it because there's so much demand on the back of it. Sure. Because every every time we're looking at the market, SpaceX is one of those other anomalies in there. It's defied uh, where other private private markets have performed over the last uh, year or two, even in that in that down market. And then the buy side demand on it has been traditionally higher than most other stocks as well right so i don't know which way it's going to go but i i feel as though they internally as a company have so much control over that share price um that it's not necessarily going to going to be correlated as well to other other uh, names in the market that's a cool take that's just a point it's just an interesting one um i haven't really delved into that before but the fact that, that it does step up so consistently and yeah, remove some of that volatility. No, that's that's yeah, a exactly. really
0: interesting it's, point. That's a very interesting yeah. point, Clint. What do you what are you thinking about um, about SpaceX? I,
1: mean, I think I think Nick's point's fascinating about controlling the narrative. Love love that that concept, but you know I think it's cheap. I mean I think Starlink alone could be valued at the current valuation for the overall company. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I think what he's doing is is game changing. I think when you start to really go down the rabbit hole of the monopoly that he has on space, not only I mean, just the logistics, the space marketplace, he's building a platform, a space platform. And if we, if you are thinking that that is a positive trend, right, long term space. Uh in space exploration, space travel, just what all of the different ancillary businesses you can attach to that, then I think you've got to be a bull of spacex um it is the platform so i'm I'm fascinated yeah. by the company, fascinated by how they control the narrative, fascinated by Elon Musk and how he keeps winning despite uh i know, you know some volatility uh but hey well, he, you know, he's I think losing he's in some battles elsewhere, don't. Yeah. Yes, yes. He's still
0: net positive. Though. Yeah. I think I still think he's yeah. net positive. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting the stuff that he gets news about, right? And I think when you look at it in the total picture, at least, you know, where a lot of his net worth is coming from, I don't know, just a lot of noise, you know, and, but then the, rock, the the foundation of it's like rock, rock solid. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. He's an interesting guy. SpaceX is a special company, unlimited real estate in space, Clint. So to your point about building that platform there's a lot of different things that could come out of that uh that business but uh but Nick really good point on that i hadn't i hadn't thought about that uh point about kind of a a more measured or calculated you know valuation step up that's pretty insightful pretty insightful stuff yeah, um, but
2: but just at the at the broad sense no one could put things up in space like they can yeah right they they're outpacing nasa they're outpacing every country on the planet yeah so yeah. if someone's going to try to catch up it's not going to be they got it's a big mo- be a, 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 a quick, they quick definitely. initiative yeah and yeah, if they get gonna, the starship
0: going too man that's even that's an even another big giant step forward for them so yeah it's, it's 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 a that's a it's such an interesting business but uh All right. So last topic, we'll hit Epic Games, right? So Clint, maybe I'll throw it over to you since you're our, uh, North Carolina guy and Epic is, uh, is their North Carolina company. But, uh, so Epic, so Epic took a big investment from, uh, the Lego family, right? So, uh, Kirkby is the family that owns Lego Group. They invested a billion dollars into Epic Games in April of 2022 at a $31.5 billion valuation. Uh, next day to got Epic down 65% since then. So they're like the implied valuation is $11 billion. But this, this, what happened this past week was they launched the Lego Fortnite like experience, right? The metaverse experience. They had 2.4 million Lego players on, uh, in, in this experience, which was a record for Fortnite. So the, it's like a huge deal for, for the game and the company. So, you know, Clint, like, what do you think about, what do you think about Lego? That's a great brand, right? But what do you think about Lego, Epic Games? the benefits that the two companies get off of each other. I got to imagine this is a way net, way bigger net positive for Epic Games, right? Than it would be for, for Lego perhaps.
1: I I think it's just another case in point of Epic Games leading the race in the metaverse platform space. Eminem doing a concert last word. Last time we talked about this, right? The weekend before you've got Travis Scott did a concert there. You're going to have more and more large companies partner with Epic as a platform. For the metaverse, it is, uh, the most developed metaverse in my opinion. You know, meta is probably a close second, but it's in from a user base and active users. There's nothing close. Um, I think, I think it's great for Epic. I think it's great for other companies that partner in the brand. It opens up a completely new distribution vertical. Um, and for, for Lego, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because there's probably a lot of crossover, uh, between their, you know, their typical clientele or customer experience. And this is really for those folks. It's an elevation of that experience, possibly uh, digitization right. of the experience. Right. And there might be people who have oh, experience yeah. experience Lego in the digital space, other than maybe a Lego movie here or there, right? Uh, but a different way to interact with the media and with the brand. And I think that that is strong. I mean, uh, I think it's strong for both companies, but I yes. think you're going to see a ton of traditional organizations that operate in traditional distribution channels move to the metaverse over the years. And I think Epic's going to win that game. So, so Lego's
0: an early mover then. So, so Nick, what, like, what do you think just on the, on, on the, this kind of like tie up, but then also just the company, right? Itself and, and kind of where it's trading at.
2: Well, lo- I love to compare it. First, I'll compare Lego to the knockoffs when, when we were kids. You know, you go to your buddy's house and you bring a Lego or something and it doesn't connect. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah, it's a knockoff yeah, yeah. fake Lego. The biggest knockoff fake Lego in my mind is Roblox. For a right. lot of intensive purposes, if you're looking at that on a value perspective, their market cap is something like 25 billion. Mm. So if we see that Epic Games is is really creating the the best metaverse type experience, they're having these connections with not the knockoff Legos but the real Legos, right. and you're getting core investors. I I think you're going to be up way north of that um what did you say it was a 10 or 11 billion dollar figure like yeah there's, there's a lot going for this particularly the the draw to Fortnite, the draw to all these other games and maybe this is a really good case if it were a public company it would be right. valued way above where we have it today yeah um, interestingly and similarly to what we had said on bite dance the other day or or this morning or whenever we want to tie these podcasts mm-hmm. together right yeah. it's uh It's different because we're seeing more sell pressure on this company than what we have with ByteDance, but you're still still seeing funds value it in and around where that deal took place um, several months ago. So that's a really interesting point. And it's, are the insiders just not as bullish as the the three of us on this call or not as bullish as the funds or the funds just delaying or prolonging that write down? Because sure. they they are relatively static versus the secondary market, which has has shown more volatility on the name. So, right. So, uh, where do I think it's valued? Probably somewhere between the two, but there's okay. about a thirty or forty percent delta between them. Right. That's so you're, interesting. You're, uh, I I would say no one is exactly clear where this is going to shake out, and this is that long duration play that Clint and I spoke about on on the fat pitch actually. Uh, so I, I I think on the long road, this is a winner on the short term no one really has their head wrapped around is this thing going to make enough money that that it should be valued along its peers and even Roblox yeah. has been getting beaten up a little bit i think in the public market so
0: well but clint so so to that point then right now, so clint like if you're i mean if you're buying pre-ipo stocks you're not doing that for a year or two right you're probably in there right. for the long haul so this would be if you could get if you could get in and around that 11 billion dollar valuation number that's a good that's a good entry point i would think right
2: I mean, based Given on previous that, rounds, right? Yeah, of all of all <laughs> things, the secondary is at the lowest. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: probably a fair. Go, bet. go ahead, Clint. Go ahead. No, I was saying based on previous rounds, I would just I would say that that is you know a, a good entry point. But again, you, you know that's uh, you got to have a long term view. To Nick's point, this is a you know these these companies are duration play, and this is a duration play. And if you look at everything kind of in the metaverse getting smoked, um, with the exception of Meta this year. I think that that is mm-hmm. uh you know possibly a nice a nice time to uh start to pick up the pieces. And again, Epic's is so mature from that perspective and you got all these different avenues right. for 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 creating value. Um so yeah, I, I'm a bull on this company for sure. Definitely a bull. And I hate the bull bear theme. I like this company, I love that. Um and yeah, I I, sure. I think uh this would be a good entry point.
2: Yeah, And That's relative good. to last rounds, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I just put a post out this morning on on Twitter that was in uh, before 2022. Secondary was trading ab- above uh, your primary. During right. 2022, there, there was just secondary for the most part. And then after 2022, we're trading at a discount to primary. And I think right. in this case, yeah, it's still going to be the case that we're down like 30 percent or whatever. But our average that we've been seeing on on back testing for the last two years, uh, or maybe it was eighteen months to keep it keep it closer uh, to the to the near term, we were seven point eight eight below uh, primary rounds on a T minus one basis. So the fact that this one is four X that that's great. Yeah, you know Some that looks, looks really good. Um, yeah, right. as long as you're bullish on the metaverse, right? Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of thematic as, aspects of this um, that are relevant
0: yeah this i mean the gaming aspect i think is huge i think to to your point nick like roblox is a competitor uh one thing i failed to mention is that this lego you know uh experience has a lower age range than your average kind of fortnite game so they're like kind of picking up potential new uh, a new market segment with younger players which i think would also then compete with minecraft right so there's like this minecraft aspect uh of to the game so you know this is this is an opportunity for fortnite to start to compete with some of these other probably primary competitors they have with like a really good brand you know Nick, to you, to your point and probably pick up some new uh some new demographics so i like this is great and then i did, to to cleanse point on the broader metaverse. I mean, Unreal Engine and, um, and meta humans and some of the things that they're doing in that space is just incredible. So I think, you know, Apple vision pro hits the market. Um, you know, uh, the meta quest three starts to get adopted. They're supposed to have more stuff coming. Augmented reality glasses hit the market, like all of the stuff that's coming. I think you got companies like Epic Guns are going to capitalize from that stuff. That's uh, just a few years down the road. So, um, so cool. All right. Anything else on your guys' mind this week? Any other topics that are hot? It's dropping. Yeah, man.
2: It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Christmas. I'm ready. I'm ready. Christmas I'm ready this for this.
0: <laughs> I'm ready for this year to wrap. Okay, fellas. This is great. Thanks for taking time to to talk today. And uh, I appreciate you guys. I'll see you guys next week. Okay. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Love you guys.